It's a great privilege to have you. Welcome. Um, it's great to have you in the church. I've had an amazing week in the Bible, um, been reminded of why we do this, bumped into all sorts of people. I played golf this week with a man who invited me, and his exact words to me is, I will never, ever set foot into your church. And anyways, I remember now. And he treated us and he spoiled us in the most remarkable way. He paid for the golf, he paid for the halfway, he paid for the food after. I said, no, we've got to pay our own way. He said, no, just today I want to bless you. And so I got blessed by this man who said he would never come. And um, if you weren't here last week, it says that Jesus was eating with them. And that Greek word is he was having a peck of salt with them. He was having 10 kgs of salt with them. And now if I put this onto one meal, one hamburger, one hot dog, one piece of sushi, you know that you wouldn't taste the sushi. It takes a long time to have a peck of salt together. And we played golf with a man who actually came to this church. He was living with his girlfriend. And I just never ever felt like we had to do anything. We just had to love them. We had to eat some salt together. Just week after week after week. I don't know how long they were here while they were living together, but, but they just kept living together. And then one day he just came to me and said, will you do my wedding? And I played golf with them and now they're married and now they're attending the church. And somebody said to the girl, uh, you've been at church five weeks in a row. She was so offended, she stopped coming. <laughs> said, who's counting? Wow. You see, friends, you can't really count a peck of salt, hey? I mean, you, you, you don't know how long it's going to take, eh? I mean, you really don't know how long it's going to take. I mean, how many meals are, are, are we going to have with a peck of salt? It's like, it's like Rory, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand you. I don't understand what you're saying, Rory, when you talk about worship. But will you come back next week? So, so that we can have another go, so, so that we can have another conversation, so that we can once again talk about why you're living together and why God designed you and why God designed sex and why God designed. Can, can we sit and have another conversation until one day you will understand, wow, is that what Jesus meant by that? And so he just keeps, seems to keep eating with marginalized people all the way through the scriptures. He just keeps having lunches and dinners with kind of people who are outsiders, outcasts, people that we don't invite to our dinner tables. And I'm saying 3CI, God used 10 kgs of salt to win your heart. Let us commit 10 kgs of salt to other people too. Many meals, many years of meals. Many, many, many years of meals. So that they can maybe somehow understand the depth of the meal that Jesus provided, which was his own body and his own blood. And when we eat together, the meal which we'll eat together next week, the bread and the wine of Christ, we'll start to understand the depth of the peck of salt that is both flavorsome and preserving in its very nature. So that we participate of the bread and the wine, it goes into the very depths of our heart. And the whole of the Bible, friends, can actually be designed around the meal. And the church, I know we have a big church, you say, Rory, how do you, this is just a lounge. This is not some preaching center with the greatest preachers in the world. 
This is just a meal. Week after week, we can be the word of God and say, God, what do you mean particularly? Lord God, what do you mean to sinners particularly? Are you welcome at my table? Otherwise, we have exclusive Moikluf parties week after week with people that can invite us back and match us with our crockery and cutlery. What's on the seat is far more important than what's on the table. What's on the seat is more important than what's on the table. And this whole thing is a meal. And when we start a meal, friends, if you live in Pretoria for any length of time, how do we start a meal? We say grace. Say grace. Say grace. We start by saying grace. Most meals don't end up with grace, because, or many don't, because we end up arguing and fighting and sharing our opinion, but we start the meal with grace. That's how we start the meal. Some of you won't know Bobby Skinstead, but I went to the same school as Bobby Skinstead. And then he, he was a great rugby player and he went down to Stellenbosch when Stellenbosch was still Afrikaans. Now there are only 44 people who speak Afrikaans. <laughs> but in those days, there were a lot of people who spoke Afrikaans. And the whole of Stellenbosch was Afrikaans. And now you've got Bobby Skinstead. He could play rugby, but he couldn't speak Afrikaans. So he becomes the captain of the under 20 rugby team and they get in the circle because, you know, before you go and beat people up, you must say grace, you know. You've got to pray for them. So they're all together and they're sweating and they're getting hyped up and the coach says, Bobby, you must bit. He's thinking like, what? What's bit? I says, hey, Bobby, you must pray. He's thinking, oh, heck, I don't know what to do. So then they shout and scream. He says, Bobby, you must bit. He says, for what you are about to receive, may the Lord. <laughs> may the Lord make us truly thankful. Can we say that? For what you are about to receive. May the Lord make us truly thankful. So we're looking at the meals of Jesus. I want to look at three people. One who's got no grace. One who's got much grace. And one who's got disgrace. Let's read it. And see what God teaches us. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees... The Pharisees, you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and the reason why they were called that is because they were sad, you see. <laughs> That's, you will not get a better definition anywhere in the Bible. So you must remember the, the, the far you see and the sad you see. They're just miserable oaks. They get baptized in lemon juice and they're not very happy about life. But they're very moralistic and they love the Ten Commandments and they don't like sinners. They're sad, you see. <laughs> now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Say dinner. Yes. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. So the way you would do it is you either have couches or you would have um, cushions or you have those like fat sacks, those things around. And you would lie down with your left arm there and your feet would be behind you and there'd be a table that would be U-shaped and the woman would come and serve you. That's why your feet would be behind you. When a woman, say woman, you see all the way through scripture, you see this picture of a man and a woman, always through scripture, because in society, women had no value. 
So when Jesus is teaching, he's always putting in a man and a woman next to each other to show that when Jesus is around, everybody's got value. So John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, if you've heard it before, you'll hear it many times. In John chapter 3, there's a religious man that comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. His name is Nicodemus. He's a religious man and Jesus sorts him out. In John chapter 4, there's a sinful woman that comes to Jesus in the middle of the day. And the Bible says, male or female, religious or sinner, nighttime or daytime, Jesus can fix you. So a man invites him, but a woman gate crashes. It's happened before. When a woman who had lived a sinful life, maybe you're here today, lady, and you've lived a sinful life and you didn't know where to go, I want to say to you, welcome to our church. Welcome. I don't know if you're a prostitute, you're a whore, or why are you here, but this scripture is written about you. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as he stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his hair with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured, say poured, perfume on them. I find that amazing. She's gatecrashed the party. I believe she's already saved. Our works can't save us. This is just an outworking of what God has done. She's gatecrashed the party. She's broken every social. she's, She's bypassed the guy at the gate with the AK-47 that's stopping her getting in. She's pushed past everybody. She's got to Jesus and the only way you would anoint him is with his head. She couldn't get access to his head so she just stood at his feet and started weeping. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Friends, I've said this many times, but the reason why I preach off the floor and not off the stage is because I wrestle with the things that go on in my own heart. I wrestle with the sin inside of my own heart and inside of my own head. And I wanna tell you this, if you sit at any table with any person, and there's any form of judgment inside of your heart towards them, you do not understand the grace of God. It doesn't matter if they're unemployed or unemployable. It doesn't matter if they're bitter or different. It doesn't matter if they're disconnected or disorganized. If you sit at a table with any single person that you judge inside your heart, it is because you yourself don't know what it means to be a sinner. And the reality, friends, is that most of us are judgmental. And everybody knew outside that this woman was a sinner. But Jesus wants to get into the bottom of our hearts and says, Simon, I want to get into the bottom of your heart. What's inside your heart? That's why I want to salt with you. Thanks, Eugene. She is a sinner. Say it's a sinner. 
Friends, I want to tell you this. The church is never meant to become a respectable part of society. The church is not meant to become a respectable part where we have to get dressed up and act in a certain way in order to take our place in Pretoria. This is a counterculture. We're not meant, the day we become respectable, I'm out of here. The day we stop welcoming sinners, I'm out of here. The day we have to dress in a certain way to come to church, I'm out of here. You come as you are. There's no one to impress. You are not impressive. And when people criticize me, I think if that's all you can say about you don't know what actually is inside of me. I'm far worse than you can ever explain or imagine. And friends, you can sit there in your pious clothes and your fancy job and all those things, but you're exactly the same. And we have to understand that it's taken 10 kgs of salt to get me here. And it's gonna take 10 kgs of salt to get people to us. We're not trying to make people like us. We're trying to make people like Jesus. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Then you know, when my wife sits down and says, raw, I have something to tell you. When Jesus sits down and says, we need to talk, you think, oh, hand grenade, bro. Boom. It's going to get under your heart. Simon, I've got something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, year's wages. The other one owed him 50. Neither of them, say neither of them. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Not rocket science. Let's look at Isaiah 25. If you can put that on the board, please. Isaiah 25. 700 years, 700 years before this story, they wrote Isaiah 25, 700 years before. On this mountain, whenever you see the mountain, you know it's gonna be the cross of Christ and you know ultimately there's gonna be a party. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. Say all peoples. Sinners, saints, Pharisees, Sadducees, whores, all peoples. A banquet of aged wine. The best of meats and the finest of wines. Keep it up there, friends. That's Springbuck Capacho. Dry-aged Canadian Roebuck. And all you vegetarians are gonna have Brussels sprouts. And I hope you freaking choke on them. But they will be heavenly Brussels sprouts. I don't know what a heavenly Brussels sprout is, but I hope you eat a lot of them. There will be carrots in heaven. But assos, we're gonna just tune. Irland rump. Springbuck heart. Sliced into little pieces of charcoal grilled, heavenly, bryflace. Friends, there's gonna be a banquet. You know when we had the widow's dinner here, there's a man in this church 
There's a man in this church who lost his three daughters overseas. And Clint, he started to come to the church, and Clint said, we're hosting a bride for widows. I know your life is really tough, but would you help come into bride with us? And friends, the food that was prepared was prepared for a man who's actually in deep pain, mourning the loss of his three daughters, but he cooked you food. It's, there's some mystery around food and about being together and about being included, and, 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 and the stranger becomes a friend, and the loner becomes part of the family, and we start to have a little picture of what it's going to be like in heaven one day. And for those of us who don't drink, we're going to have to learn. Because they say this wine's going to be good. There will be no Heineken Zero there. It's going to be Merlot and Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people. Say all peoples. The sheet that covers all nations. Say all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. Say all faces. Including prostitutes who cry at parties. 700 years before, eh? And he will remove the? There are three people at this party. There's a man who's got no grace. There's a man who's full of grace and there's a woman who's full of disgrace. But by the end of the story, the man of grace is still there, the disgraced woman has got grace, and the other guy's making a decision which way to go. The last time I told this story, in this church, some of you were here, some of you were not here, but we used to meet in a tent, and there was a black girl that was ululating. Is it ululating? Who can ululate? Ah, uh-uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't the response. For an Afrikaans, it's like, slaan haar dood, man. I'm telling you, there were some people that said, flip, man, she must stop making so much noise. And I remember sitting and thinking, she's disturbing us. She's actually disturbing the worship in the church. She's disturbing this respectability of 3CI because she's so free and she's so loud and she's no, so not scared of what people think about her that she's upsetting people. But she came here a sinner. She came here and told us that she had an abortion. And I want to say to you today, if you've had an abortion, I want to say welcome to this church. Because this is a church that will have a peck of salt with people who've had abortions. And if you've committed adultery, I want to say to you, welcome. And if you got stuck in drugs last night, I want to say to you, welcome. You know where she is now? Let's put some pictures up. Right now. Real Madrid. She's pregnant. She's married. She's eating at Jesus' table. She's a member of this church. And she runs our finances. 
And a man in this church, an Afrikaans man, after listening to this sermon when we preached many years ago, I got letters and said, can you keep that woman quiet? And part of me said, I want to keep her quiet because she's so offensive because her liberty and her freedom is, is commanding attention just like this woman was. And an Afrikaans man in this church put 70,000 rand in our bank account. And he said, Rory, you buy perfume for every woman in our church that needs it. And then he went to her and he shook her hand and he said, you have taught me about grace. You have taught me about freedom. You have taught me not to be scared of people and not to worry what others think. You see, friends, when I understand grace, what people think about me becomes irrelevant. I push past, I push through, I push over, I get to Jesus. So it comes about Jesus and only about Jesus. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, Sit there, Mitch. It's nice to have you back. My oldest son. He's sitting here. She's unbelievably free. She's poured everything out. He's wrestling in his heart. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon. He didn't turn to Simon and so speak to Simon. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon, he said, hey, Simon, can you see her? Can you see her, Simon? And he's got all this stuff going on in his heart. If you were a prophet, you would understand that actually this is a sinful woman. He says, I'm not, Simon, can you see her? Can you actually see her? Rory, can you see Maggie? Can you see her? Can you see Maggie who came to 3CR because God sent her here when there were hardly any black people? Can you see her, Rory? Can you see that inside of her is a need for freedom? Can you see the extravagant outpouring? But God, it's offensive. God, it's a, but, but Rory, can you see her? Can you see her? Because friends, you can sit much, to, to let down your hair was like one of the most scandalous things that you could do, to let down your, you let your hair down in the bedroom. You never let your hair down in public. And you can see friends in the Middle East today, women are not allowed to even show their hair, they've got to cover their hair. So your hair had to be covered with a hat or it had to be tied So to let your hair down was saying, to heck with what the rules say, to heck with what the Pharisees say, to heck with it. I need to be myself. I need to release my control. I need to break the process because I need to wash my Savior's feet. He said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not, kissing, not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured. Say poured. You know, friends, one of the words that describe Christianity is the word poured. In, in Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus poured out himself. He poured out himself. He took our transgression. He poured out himself. Romans chapter 5 says he poured out his love in our heart. He poured it out. Say poured. poured. It's not some economical Christianity. It's like drop, drop, drop. Drop. He poured out. Say poured out. Lady Million. Rich women and prostitutes would wear a little necklace around their necks with a very thin neck like that. And inside was very, very expensive perfume. Why? Because there were no air conditioners. Some of you should learn from this story. <laughs> Have a shower and put some deodorant on. You wonder why no one sits next to you. It's not difficult. Inside of that was her livelihood. Because there was a girl next to her, and there was a girl next to her, and there was a girl next to her on the street, and they had to try and win somebody's attention. And the only way you could win their attention in a very hot climate where there was no air conditioners and no showers was actually to make yourself smell good. And so sitting around your neck was everything. It was a very expensive item. Everything she would have spent her whole life savings for that little piece of jewelry which would allow her to smell so that when the man walked past, he thought, oh, she smells attractive. The only way you could get that to pour was if you broke the neck and poured it out. When you did this, it just came out drop by drop by drop. She was saying, Jesus, I have got no other options. I've got no other options. I'm a sinner. I can't live with myself. I can't get the dirt away. That's what happens. You can sit here for five, six, seven, eight years. But you know, friends, whether you owe 50 or whether you owe 500 or whether you owe 5,000 or whether you owe 5 million, you can't pay the debt back. That's the parable. The parable is unless you understand that you are a sinner, you will never ever give Jesus the mastery of your life. You will do what Simon did. You will entertain him, bring him, have supper with him, have a conversation with him, but he'll never become your master. The reason, friends, that I worship Jesus is because I'm a sinner. I don't know if it's 50 denarii. I don't know if it's 500. It's probably 5 million that I owe him. But the reality is he canceled my debt and he canceled yours too. And if you don't understand that, Jesus will serve you for the rest of your life and you will not serve him. I didn't like this. I don't like that. He's this. He's that. Rory's loud. He's this. He's that. And you've got a running opinion on everybody. Friends, you're a sinner that has been saved by grace. Beautiful. 
And when we come to worship, it's not really about whether you like the music or don't like the music or like the songs or don't like the songs or like the smell of the person next to you or don't like the smell of the person next to you. This lady realized that unless she could take this, and smash it, and break it, and the smell started touching people. And in this environment, she said, Jesus, I haven't got options. Jesus, I can't go back to the streets because my form of income's gone. I give you my job, I give you my past, I give you my history, I give you my children that are not serving God, I give it all to you, you are in charge, you are in control, you are my master. What Jesus says, go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. graceless man, a gracious man, and a disgraceful woman. And she understands the grace of God. Bang. When you break the neck of your perfume bottle, I don't care if you're a whore, an adulterer, a porno addict, when you break that, that fragrance of his love will start to pour and pour and pour and pour and pour and pour. It's called Beautiful Bell. Bless you. Bless you. You never knew you were going to come to church to get perfume today, but bless you. Hey? Bless you. Come here, Miss South Africa. Stand right there. And while you had to parade up and down in your beauty contest with men whistling at you and shouting at you and calling you all sorts of names, I want to tell you, you just have to come here. You just have to receive. And receive. And receive. And I want to say this, that every man that has spoken badly to you or sexualized you, or whistled at you as you walked the ramps of your beauty contests. I want to tell you here, my God pours perfume on you, and grace on you, and love on you, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and another meal 
and another meal, and another meal, and another meal, until we start understanding each other, until we start understanding Jesus, until we start understanding sexuality, until we start understanding forgiveness. Kom, laat ons bykie saambraai, en bykie praat, oor ons kinders, en oor all the embarrassments of our lives, and all the places where we fell short, and let the salt get into the depths of our heart, and into the cracks of our marriages, and into the depths of our broken relationships, and into the words that have been spoken over us, and into the whistles that were horrible, and the hands that should never have touched us. Let's eat a peck of salt together. 3CI, in Jesus' name. Amen. Unless you understand your sinfulness, worshiping Jesus will always be about you. When you understand that your debt is five, fifty, five hundred, or five thousand, and you have the inability to pay it off, your Christianity will become about Him and only Him. I pray God's blessing over you in Jesus' name. Black, white, rich, poor, married, single, educated, uneducated faithful, adulterer, prostitute, or advocate. I pray God's grace over you. In Jesus' name, amen.